Oh, God is good. Hallelujah to his name. Hallelujah to his name. I want to talk about that rabbi this morning. I am on that and uh, just going to continue to reveal our Lord the best we can. Say, God, give us insight and give us revelation that we can share what, what the Lord has placed in our heart to help and to bless every person. I'm going to start in the book of Luke, the 22nd chapter. And I want to read uh, two. Sober drew near. And the chief priests and scribes sought how to destroy him, Jesus. For they feared feared the people. And listen to this. And Satan entered into Judas, the one having been called Iscariot, being of the number of the twelve. Not an outsider. He's an insider. And going, he talked with the chief priests and commanders as to how he might betray him. And they exalted him. What does King James say there? And they were glad. Yes, it's the chorus. They were actually rejoicing. (laughs) And they agreed to give him silver. And he fully consented. And my scriptures, word for word here, uh, out of the Greek, says this. And he fully consented and sought opportunity to betray him to them away from the crowd. Opportunity. Didn't we talk about that last um, Sunday session? So would you go to the 53rd verse? And I just want to kind of close the end of of this uh, event here. Jesus said, when I was with you day by day in the temple, you did not stretch out your hand on me or to capture me or take me. But this is your hour and the authority of darkness. This is your hour and the authority of darkness. An opportunity. Yeah. Mm-hmm. An opportunity. Colossians, the first chapter, one of our favorite books to refer to in the revelation of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. 18th verse. I want to pull this out between some other things, but I just want to pull this 18th verse out. And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that he might be preeminent in all Things. Wow. Preeminent in all things. Mm. So we're going to talk about this a little bit. Opportunities for victory in Jesus. Opportunities. 
Talked about opportunities last week. Remember, we, we talked about two men, Lion Bartimaeus and Zacchaeus, capitalized on their opportunity to get to Jesus. And so we're, we're going to talk a little bit more about opportunities this morning. I think this, I think this will touch us. I think it'll, it'll, it'll help us a little bit if we'll heed to the Word of God. And we thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for, for just being here with us this morning. We've just felt your goodness. Oh, Lord, we, I felt that prayer. We just pray. I believe you, Lord, God, that you are ministering and you're working. I thank you, Lord. We lifted our hands in praise and worshiping. And, Lord, we just honored you. You're our king, our Lord, our God, our, our great and mighty one, Lord. We praise you. We ask you now just to anoint your word to us, each one of us that will hear the word of God and take it in and rejoice over it in our heart. We pray in your name, Jesus. Amen. 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 The wilderness temptation of the Lord. We've preached about it a lot. The different ones. We mentioned it probably in the last several weeks. It's been brought up. That temptation of the Lord in the wilderness and an opportunity for Jesus, the Son of Man, to put Satan in his place. It's a testing of him to see if he would sin. Uh, it's, it's the final just refinement of his life before he goes into messianic ministry. And I've said both of those things, and I believe both of those things, but it, it kind of it kind of struck me because I believe it was an opportunity for the Lord. Satan takes the opportunity, and I think the Lord also uses the identical opportunity. Jesus said this, I saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning. That was a pretty quick ousting out of heaven. Thrown down, had absolutely... The devil doesn't war with the Lord. There is no war. The Lord has all power. <laughs> I mean, the devil might try to resist that power, but it's not a battle. It's not a war. Whatever the Lord says, whatever Satan be thou cast out, he's cast out. It's just it. There's no, there's no you know, yeah, I'm going, but I'm going to fight. No, no, he just goes. Because he is in submission, and the Lord is in dominion. Over it, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. And that's, that's the Lord speaking out of I am. That's speaking as transcendent, infinite God. Now then, he is manifested in the flesh and has become flesh and dwelling among us. And now he is being tested and tried. But in this opportunity, Jesus let Satan know something. He let Satan know that he had nothing wherewith he could conquer the Son of Man. Not just God infinitely in heaven, all power and might, but the Son of Man on the earth. Satan had nothing. He tried with his best. He came with what he had to offer. And by the time this is done, Satan sees it as an opportunity. Jesus is weak. 
Jesus had been fasting, and body and mind are, are probably both tired and, and maybe weakened a little bit from fasting. I'm sure that his body was weakened a little, and, and he was there in a frame of mind, and an opportunity, the only opportunity that Satan ever had, that he thought he may be able somehow to prevail against the Lord. But by the time it is done, it's like, Satan, you gave your best shot. You came at me at my weakest point physically. And you have nothing whereby you might take me down. See, the opportunity that Satan takes to try and destroy the, the things of God, the plans of God, the purpose of God, the men of God, the women of God, I want you to know this, that that same opportunity can be turned around by the power of Jesus Christ to become a victory in your life when Satan has meant it to be a failure and a defeat in your life. The same opportunity that he takes can be a victory in your life. I've witnessed that so many times. And so Jesus is now ready. He not only is just Jesus of Nazareth anymore, uh, Acts 10.38, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth. We saw him as a man, as a, as a man that lived in the city of Nazareth. And that's how he was observed from his youth until this point. But now he is anointed, and now he will become Messiah. He will become Yeshua HaMashiach now. He will be the Christ, the anointed one. He will become the rabbi of rabbis. I made that up. The Scripture said he's the king of kings, right? He's the Lord of lords. Well, he's the rabbi of rabbis. And he's ready to become that now. I think in this, so, so he's a man taking on the passions of man, right? He has not insulated himself, but he has, he has emptied himself. He's taken on the form of man. He's taken on the feelings of man, the passion of man. And now he will be tempted and he will be tested. But the beautiful thing is, is that his submission to what he knows as being God's will in his life in a man is going to make the devil defeated in his life. Amen. That's beautiful. So now if the Lord has done it, if the Lord can do it, and the Lord did do it in flesh, he also can enable you and I in our fleshly bodies. If the same Spirit that raised up Jesus from the dead dwells in you, then He quickens your mortal body too. And so that's what we want to talk about a little bit. The opportunities, the opportunities that become victories, not defeats by the power of the enemy. Now, I don't preach a lot about Satan. I don't like him. He's a rooted poot chump. I hate him. If I could name all the names that I could call him, he is just the, the worst, rotten, dirty person, hometown refin, cheater, liar. He's all that stuff. I hate him. He's a deceiver. He paints a picture for people that 
that looks good, it looks right, but it is destructive to their life. And so we have an adversary. The Scripture talks about an adversary. We've taught this, and the brethren in the church, we do believe this. You're going to have more trouble with the flesh than you're going to have with the devil. And I believe that. It's, it's my will that needs to submit. It's my flesh, my man, my mind. But you do have an adversary called the devil. It classifies, I believe, when it says devil and Satan. I think we're talking about the same figure. I, when we talk about demons, I think we're talking about that same one. And so... There is this adversary, spiritual adversary. Now, now I'm one that I used to do this really bad. I don't do it as bad anymore. I don't know if I'm just getting too old to, to uh, you know, learning maybe a few things. But it really isn't the devil that made me do it. I mean, and, and I think recently something happened. I dropped something. I broke something. And I said, you demon. It really wasn't a demon. I just accidentally did it, right? Go outside and your tire's down. Satan, I hate you. I, I really don't think he came and put his claw in there and let the air out of your tire. I, I don't, but, but we do have an adversary. And I can't blame everything, you know, that happens wrong. We want to blame on the devil. But, but there is this adversary, but he's an adversary of another kind. He's not an adversary so much of the flesh. He's an adversary of your spirit. See, he's playing to get your soul. And whatever that takes in the flesh to do that, that's what he's going to try to come at you with. Ephesians, the sixth chapter, says this, put on a full armor of God that you may be able to withstand it uses the term in the King James, the wiles of the devil. Does anybody here know what wiles are? Because I don't. It's really the Greek transliterated word. In Greek, is methods of the devil. Can you recognize him? Can Christian people recognize the adversary that comes against us? Let me tell you one way that you can recognize him. He has certain methods that he comes with. Oh, it may be shaded. It may, may not look exactly like what you've seen before. But he has a method. And he takes an opportunity. Now, I want to say this, and, and, and I'm going to, you know, this is probably a little bit contrary to what we've been taught as Pentecostals. I don't think the devil is after you every day. I believe he's an opportunist. Mm -hmm. He's not going to come at you when you are strong in the Lord and the power of his might. See? He comes in opportunity. And that's where he can do his stuff. That's where his methods begin to be displayed. 
And so Peter says this, 1 Peter 5, 8, he says, Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to consume. Now, this, this picture of a lion, and let's take it to a, a, a flock of sheep. Uh, one of the favorite foods in the in the back in the Middle East then in those days, a lion would come down and take sheep, and David had to fight off lions, right? And because he was a shepherd and he he knew uh, they had to stay watch over their flocks. That wily that lion would come in and and before you know it, he has he has consumed one of the sheep, and so this analogy metaphor, if you will, of the devil prowling around like a roaring lion. He's hungry, and he's roaring, and he's looking for someone to consume. Now, not in the physical sense, not like a lion would eat a little lamb, but he wants to consume your spirit. Remember, I just said that he is a spiritual adversary. And so he's looking for an opportunity to capture and to literally, this word means to drink down, to consume someone. He's looking for opportunity. Find someone in a weakened condition. Find someone that's already struggling. Someone that is hurting. Someone that's a little bit disenchanted a little bit confused. And when he sees that opportunity, now he begins to bring in his wiles, his methods. I can see him working. I can see him attacking people's lives at times. And I sound to just say, I can see what's going on. I see where it's headed. I see what's going on in their life just because Satan has looked for an opportunity, and now his earmarks are getting on the opportunity. I begin to recognize who's bringing the charge against the saint, who is dragging them down because of his methods. Let's look at his methods just a little bit. This start back way in the Garden of Eden. He caused the first sin. Does everybody remember that? Eve, right? He used his methods. To bring her down. Opportunity. I mean, Adam and Eve are going along. They're talking with the Lord. They're living. They're just enjoying life as God had designed it. They're in the garden. They are covered. They're good. Everything's right with them. And we don't know how long that went on. It could have been, it could have been ages of time. It doesn't record how long that was. But when we find... The devil began his work and his methods. There's a couple of things that are obvious. Brother Dustin has been talking about this a little bit. And so I'm, I'm going to include this and, and just, just spin off of that. The first thing he does is gets Eve isolated. Everybody say amen. That's the first thing he does. Because there is strength in togetherness. What's the first thing a lion do, does when he comes down against 
looking for something to eat to consume and he sees the flock there. What does he do? He looks for the one that is separated. And all those sheep don't have any power to defend themselves. And I was watching, I like to watch the, uh, the wildlife stuff some, and, and, and uh, there is a wildebeest that is a threat to a lion. I didn't know that. But this guy will protect his brother. And the lion comes in and he's grabbed on and trying to drag him down. Another one will come and hit that lion with his horns, lift him up in the air and see him flipping him. And, and, but if that wildebeest gets separated, he is absolutely no match for the lion. And so the devil comes deep. Where's Adam at? He doesn't know. I mean, it's just an average day. They're not together all the time, I assume. Adam may be over tending something, looking at something else, doing something else, and Eve is, is busy doing something else. I don't think they're together all the time. But this, see, is where the enemy comes in. He comes in in separation. If he can get somebody isolated, now, now he can begin some stuff. Now he can begin. The second thing he wants to do is that he wants to convince the sheep not to hear the voice of the shepherd that's calling. Is exactly what he does to Eve. Don't listen to God. God says this, but you don't need to listen to him. And so the devil comes to isolate, and he will isolate anybody in this congregation. The next thing he will tell you to do is quit listening to them. And if he gets you isolated and gets you to quit listening to the shepherds, quit listening to those who are trying to help, quit listening to the brethren, he's got two-thirds of his plan in place. The next thing he's going to do is that he's going to offer you an alternate reality. God said this, but it's really not true. I'm going to offer you this. God said, if you eat, you're going to die. No, you won't die. You will live. And you will know more than what you know now. And you'll understand and you'll be like God. And offers an alternate reality. I was listening the other day and it just shocked me. Valaton from Bethel. He said, they made this statement. Faith creates an alternate reality. I said, what? I don't need an alternate reality. I just need one reality. And that's what the Word of God is. That's what the Word of God, that's the only reality. There is just one truth, amen. There's not a lot of truths out there and, and, and just pick one and go. No, there's just one single truth. That's Jesus said, I am the truth. Period, point, blank, that's it. There is no other reality. Can the church say amen? But Satan now has got somebody isolated, and now he's got them deafening their ear to those who are trying to speak into them, and then now I'm going to offer you another fix for your 
life. I'm going to tell you what that fix is. It's destruction. Yeah, Eve, you're going to know. But in the day that they ate thereof, they begin to die. They were separated from the Lord. They were kicked out of the garden. And we call it the fall, right? Designed by Satan. Using his methods that he still ancient old methods. I see him. I recognize him. Pastor Ronnie, do you see him at times? Brother preachers, do you see him at times in people's lives? And the Lord says, no, no, man, they're going the wrong way. The separate brother doesn't been talking about it. It's beautiful because if he can separate, if he can get us not to listen and not to hear what the Word of God is, says and what the, word, what the pastors and preachers and, and, and brethren who love us and are trying to help us and defend us, if he can get us away from that and get us not to hear that, then he will offer an alternate reality to what God says. He has seized an opportunity. Everybody say amen. If you've ever felt him seize an opportunity in your life, you know what I'm talking about. It may have been a lot of things. It may have been in a weak moment of your life. It may have been when problems came up. When issues begin to happen in your life. Things you didn't expect. Man, and I'd love Brother Jake laying there in the bed. He said, Pastor, what I've learned and what I know about Jesus, I'm okay. I'm good. I'm good because I'm going to trust in him. See, it's, it could have been an opportunity to bring his spirit down. It could have been an opportunity to bring the family down. It could have been an opportunity to just cause defeat and destruction. But Jake said it this way, whatever happens in my life, I'm trusting Jesus. And so the opportunity can be turned into victory. Well, how so, Pastor, if I'm going through something and it just seems like it's crushing me? It seems like the devil's got the upper hand. I can't get away from it every time. It just keeps coming back. He just keeps, he just keeps battling me, and he's taking an opportunity in my life at a weak point in my life, and he's just bothering me, and, and I'm sick of it, and I'm tired of it, and I don't know what to do. Let me tell you what to do. The book of James said a few things to do. We know the methods of the devil, but let's look at the method to get out of the opportunity that he has snared or captured us in. And James gave us, he gave us the, the clear road to victory in our life. And it goes like this. Number one is that you submit yourself to God. I might take everything you can do. It might be one of the hardest things to just Say, God, I'm just going to submit to you. God, I'm going to trust you. I don't understand this is going on in my life. I don't understand the things around me. Lord, I'm going to trust you, and I submit myself to God. The second thing is, is that I resist the devil. And this word resist, I got a kick out of this, because it means to do a 180-degree turn is that you not only are fighting and resisting, but you are setting your course in a different direction than where he's been taking you. You never get free of it until you say, I'm not going with him anymore. 
I'm submitting myself to God, and I'm going to turn my direction now. I'm going to open my ears back up. Okay, I haven't been listening. Okay, I haven't heard. And now I'm going to open my ears. Now I'm going to hear. Now I'm going to listen. I'm turning myself completely around. I'm going the other direction. And I'm going to tell you what the Scripture says about this now. He will flee from you. Not maybe. Because there is no power he has over the person that does these things. You submit yourself to Jesus and you resist and turn away from where he's trying to lead and he will flee. Now, I have this picture in my mind. We're talking about lions. We're talking about sheep. I also saw... A charging bull elephant. The lion wants nothing to do with the charging bull elephant. He's not trying to bring him down. He's not trying to mill around and look for opportunities. He's running. And they are running hard. Once in a while, they'll try and attack a little baby elephant, which the adults... And the bull elephant gets going and heads after him. And I'm telling you, those lions run with their tail tucked between their legs. I want you to see that picture is that Satan is going to run from the person that he does not have opportunity to take them down. When you have won the battle in Jesus Christ, he runs from the Lord. He can't. Finally, Jesus said in the temptation, Satan, that's enough. Get behind me. Get out of here. And he had to go. He had to flee. Because the Lord is all-powerful. Can you say amen? Now, I never preach that you and I get the power to run things and to run Satan. But we do get the power to submit ourselves to God. And we do have the power to turn away from him and say, No, I'm not going that direction. I'm going to listen to what the Lord says now. And the result of that is nothing but victory in your life. And so if the devil has come to vex you sore, and he's come to bother you, and he's come to bring you down, and he's looked for opportunity in your life, and he has seen an opportunity, even if you have begun to follow that direction, I suggest to you this morning very strongly, submit yourself back to God. Hear his word. Hear his preachers. Hear his body. And listen to what they've got to say. And submit yourself to him Turn away from where the devil's going, and he's going to flee from you. Hallelujah. And you're going to take a breath of freedom, and you're going to rejoice in the Lord. Hallelujah. Because I'm going to say this morning, I'm going to say again, I don't think the devil is riding your back all day. I just don't think so. Your flesh, probably. Your mind, your, your stuff. But the devil, he's an opportunist. He's looking for that one opportunity. But thanks be unto God who always, everybody say always, always causes us to triumph where? In Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. Boy, that's good. That's good. That's good preaching. Say amen. Not because I wrote it, but because he wrote it. Hallelujah. Now, Romans the 8th chapter, we heard it again last night. You won't go to too many services until you've heard Romans 8, 28. 
you won't go to too many because it, it comforts us. All things work together for good to them that love the Lord. That's the first thing. The second thing, they're heeding the call of his purpose in their life. All things begin. This is an old thing that God established. This isn't a New Testament thing. It is a New Testament thing, but it wasn't established in the New Testament. It was established in an Old Testament time. All things work together for good. Those called according to his purpose, according to his showing, according to what he has put forward. How many remembers Joseph of the Old Testament? Joseph, righteous, little young man of God. He's a dreamer. He sees some things prophetically. His brothers hate it. Makes them mad. They look for an opportunity. Just like Satan does. They took him and threw him in a pit. And if you read the scripture, just like as soon as they threw him in the pit, a band of Ishmaelites came by. Boy, what luck is that? They're out there in the wilderness somewhere. They're tending their sheep. Take this boy, throw him in a pit, and all of a sudden, a band of Ishmaelites come by. And Reuben says, let's don't kill him. Let's sell him to the Ishmaelites, and they can take him down in, in, in slavery. And so they sold the boy to the Ishmaelites. And so Joseph ends up down in Egypt. Remember Potiphar and and all the things that happened in Potiphar, finally he's elevated from there. He, he goes to a place where he interprets dreams. And now he becomes second to the right hand of Pharaoh. And now uh, there is a famine in the land. Um, his brothers are sent to buy grain from Egypt. And you know the story is that when he saw his brothers, boy, he went in the back room and wept. Because he's beginning to realize something now. See, the devil's opportunities turn out to be God's victories if we do it his way. <laughs> he's back in there weeping his eyes out. Says, but brethren have come down in here. And so as the story went, you know, and he eventually revealed himself to them and and they were afraid. They thought he was going to execute them. They didn't know what to do. And, and, um, but Joseph said this. He said this. What you meant for evil to me. Now I see it. This is years. Years later. Now I see that God meant it for good. That he might save our family, our people. This, 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 this was God's intervention. You see, it looked like Satan. It looked like Satan was winning. It looked like Satan had destroyed the life of young Joseph. He was a godly man. It looked like Satan had his way to destroy him. But I want you to know this, according to Romans the 8th chapter and 28th verse, that Satan doesn't get to have his way in God's plans. 
When God plans a thing, then God puts a thing out there. And, and, and God has a church that he loves and he has people that he loves. Satan doesn't get to come in and do what he wants to do without the Lord raising up and turning that thing around. And what the devil meant for evil to your life. You look back at it and say, no, God has brought me here for salvation of my life. I know it's beautiful to see it happen. I don't like going through those opportunities. But when it turns back to glory, when it turns back to goodness, I'll tell you what it is. It just encourages us in the Lord that much more, doesn't it? Say amen. Amen. So as wily and cunning as he is, Satan is an idiotic fool to even think that he can undo God's plans and purposes. Not going to happen. So I will take you to the opening uh, text in which we will close. We've got so much time, it's just ample time this morning, but, but I'm going to close with this. That does not mean that it's going to be within the next minute, but it's, it, we're, we're, we're heading that direction, okay. Passover Eve, day of preparation. We're going to say it's approximately 27 A.D. It's a real event. It's not a story. It's an event. The Lord has been ministering three years. He has 12 disciples, which he handpicked. He loves those boys. I am blessed. I didn't handpick anybody here. But as if I handpicked people here, I am blessed to have so many men around us. Good men. We love you all. We bless you. Jesus loved his disciples. Can you say amen? It wasn't just like a, a school teacher, you know, a school teacher. I've been in some school rooms where they, I knew they didn't love me. Wouldn't quit hitting me on the knuckles and stuff with rulers, you know. I don't know. Probably, I deserved it, right? But uh, Jesus wasn't just a teacher. He was a rabbi. He loved them and they loved him. Judas, he loved Judas. Judas, I'm not going to let you join in the breaking of the bread and I'm not going to send you out with the other uh, 12. Oh, you have to stay here because I know what you're going to do. No. Judas is part of them. Like Peter says in the first chapter of Acts, we need to replace, well, Peter's overstepping this, but he says we need to replace the, the, the uh, apostle disciple that had part in this ministry. And now uh, he's gone and we need to replace him. Judas was a vibrant part of what they were doing. <clears throat> they want to get Jesus but don't know how. They've sent out their best scribes and people to question him time after time. And every time they do it, it blows up in their face. Just like. And, and then the scripture says that they didn't, they durst not ask him any more questions. It was like, I'm not going to be embarrassed again. You know, they're standing out there in the front of people and they're asking him things. And he's just, he's just shutting them down. They're mad. They're upset. They want to get rid of him. They do not believe he is the Christ. They believe he's an imposter. They're looking for opportunity. Can't find it. 
They want to arrest him, but they know that the people will rise up. And so this thing has to be done according to the methods of the devil. You notice the scripture said that they're going to find him away from the crowd. Oh, that's an earmark right there. That's the work of the devil. But Judas, I, we, we talked, uh, I think last month, we talked about money, how powerful money can be in your life. And I wondered about this with Judas. You know, the devil just can't jump into you. Thank God he can't just walk along there and say, well, I'm just going to jump into you. No, he doesn't have that power. There has to be an opening, an opportunity for him to get in. Thank God, even the world, the world's not demon-possessed. The world are mainly flesh-possessed. There are some that God, you know, have opened herself by drugs or maybe other things that have acquired some demons in their life. I, I believe that. But, but I'm not here. I don't believe there's a demon behind every bush, you know. I, I just... In reality, he's looking for opportunities, right? And so, the scripture said that Satan entered into Judas that night. He entered into Judas. Judas had such a lust for money. I'm telling you that there are ways for the devil to get in your life. The lust of money is one of them. It's proof right there. He loved money more than he cared anything about his Lord and Rabbi. He and that money took him over. So he goes to make a deal with the priest. I can tell you how to capture him. You give me the money, and I can tell you how to capture him. And, and I'll show you. They put a plan together that they're going to get him when he's not at the temple. He's not in town. He's not around the crowds. But he is off by himself. And Judas said, I know where he camps on Mount Olives. I'll take you there for the price. Man, I hate that guy. Jesus said it would have been better for the one that betrays the Son of Man, it would have been better for him not to be born than to do what he is going to do. Now Judas is demon-possessed. He falls from being a disciple, a brother, a confidant. He's with those men. They are together. They're, they're, they're buddies they're following Jesus. They have left all. Peter said, we've left all to follow him. And Judas was one of them. He left all too. And, and they're following Jesus and they're with Jesus. And, and now he has become demon-possessed. His actions will be dictated now by the one we call Satan. It's pitiful. I've seen it myself. I hate it. When a brother falls falls from fellowship, falls from the love and concern and covering of the body and, and following Jesus and being a disciple of the Lord and, and fall back out and follow after the devil's stuff. I hate it. Can you say amen? I just hate it. We, sometimes when kids come up, 
Boy, we pray against it. We do everything we can. We teach, we pray, we do everything we can, but sometimes kids make a choice, and there's nothing we can do about it. It just grieves us. It just grieves our heart because we know the beauty of serving Jesus. Amen. This is the good life. There is no better life than serving the Lord. It's the good life. And to see in Judas falls down into that pit, and now he will do the dictates of Satan in his life. Satan has found an opportunity. I have preached this both ways. I believe that, that Satan was trying to destroy Jesus. But at the same time, he must have known the plan of God. He must have had some... If he was listening to Jesus in his ministry, the Lord really divulged some of his plan. And if the, if the, if the devil wasn't such an evil dummy, he could have known what was going to happen, but... He sees an opportunity. The chief priest sees an opportunity. We will destroy him. We will take him out. We will finish him. His name will be erased from our community, and he will be gone for good. Just another lie. He's just a liar. So he uses Judas. They go out. They take Jesus. They, they try him. They convict him, they sentence him, they kill him. The chief priests and rulers of Israel were murderers. Murderers. You've got people that act like, you know, that, oh, just, they were Jews and, and, and God's... No, they were murderers. And so Jesus said to them, you want to murder me? They said, what are you talking about? You know, yes, they wanted to murder him. And now Satan has an opportunity to do that. With this phony kangaroo court and phony trial, they present him as a harm to the nation. They present him as an opposing king to Caesar. And now Pilate says, look, I don't, this man hasn't done anything that deserves death. Now crucify him. Get rid of him. Why do you want to get rid of him? Because of their murderous anger and their jealousy over, over this Christ, this Lord, that they would not receive. The stone that was rejected became the head of the corner. You can't get rid of him. I don't care, Satan. Don't you know that your plans cannot thwart the plan of God? Don't you know that your opportunities are only going to fail in the face of God? His plan is going through. There's nothing that can stop it. I don't care what you do, Satan. You cannot stop the plan of God. Salvation's on the way, and you can't stop it. His blood, his redeeming blood is about to be shed. You can't stop it, Satan. It doesn't matter what you try. Your plans are going to fail. And God's plans are going to succeed. So that's why I wanted to read to you Colossians, the first chapter. The firstborn from the dead. He can't be the firstborn from the dead unless he dies. And he's going to die at the hand of the wicked. And he's going to die at the opportunity of Satan. But he's going to rise from the dead by the power that's in him. 
Don't you know? If Satan had been listening, he would have heard, Don't you know that no one takes my life from me? I lay it down and I raise it back up again. And the dummy Satan thinks that he can get rid of Jesus. He's just fooling himself and he's fooling the high priest and he's fooling the rulers because Jesus is not going away. Somebody say amen. He's not going away. He's going to rise victorious over death and over hell and over the grave. He's going to rise preeminent over all things in heaven and in earth and under the earth so that it will be said of him that at the name of Jesus every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Don't you know, Satan, your opportunity has failed you and Jesus has been victorious one more time. It gives us hope. Because like I said a bit ago, that spirit that raised him from the dead, that spirit of victory, that spirit of conquering, that spirit of making the devil run and hide, if that spirit dwells in you, it will quicken not just, not just for a time of, of, of rising from the dead, but that spirit will quicken your mortal body right now. And that same victory that is in Jesus can be enjoyed by his saints. Can you say amen? Let me read this. Who shall separate us? What shall separate us from the love of God? Which actually the love of Christ. Paul name off some things. What shall separate or come between us and our beloved Lord? Our Rabbi Yeshua Hamashiach, Jesus. What can separate us? In other words, get between us. That's the opportunity the devil's looking for. Drive a wedge between you and the Lord. You mad at the Lord? I'm going to tell you where that comes from. But what? Who shall separate us? Tribulation? Trials and tests and tribulations? Distress? Everything going wrong? Persecution? People treating you wrong? For Christ's sake? Famine? Nakedness? Lost your job? Lost your home? Lost your stuff? Will that separate you from, come between you and the love of your Lord Jesus Christ? Danger? Sword? No. Rather, in all these things, we are completely and overwhelmingly victorious because of the one loving us. There is no power in prayer apart from Jesus. There is no power in quoting scriptures apart from Jesus. And people think, man, there's power in the word. I'm, no, 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 no. There's power in his word. And when we appeal to him, that's when he gives us victory. So in ourselves, never. Stay close to him. Walk in him. Live in Him. You are safe in Jesus Christ. You're safe. Yeah, but 
I'm not, I didn't say you're insulated from problems. I didn't say you're insulated from issues. I said you're safe in Jesus Christ. Will you stand with me? God bless you. I told you I was going to close. You didn't know it, but I'm done. We are safe in his pavilion. Hallelujah. What a joy. What a joy to know. It really just comes back to it. If we do it his way, oh, thank you, Jesus. It's going to be right. If we do it his way, every opportunity that the enemy thinks he has against us is going to turn, and it's going to become victory in our life by our Lord. Jesus, we love you. We praise you. Lord, everything that we have, everything that we are, we owe to you. Lord, and so we just submit. Like James told us, submit yourself to God. We submit to your way, Lord. We resist the terms of the enemy, and we turn from it. We stand against it. We take a position that is contrary to his position. Lord, and he's going to flee. It's, it's really one, two, three with you. And Lord, so I pray over this congregation, anybody that's listening this morning, Lord, that you just, you just help them to realize our sufficiency is not of us. It's in you, Lord. We can't get in ourselves. We can't follow our ideas. Can't follow the devil's methods, Lord, but we follow you, Jesus, to victory. And we thank you, Lord. Amen. Everybody say amen.